You're listening to The New Paris. There's a lot of talk of inclusivity in the food world these days, and rightfully so. There's also been the beginnings of a backlash to the long-held systems and establishments that try to set the barometer for what's best and worthy. Michelin-starred chefs are giving up their stars. Food critics, many of whom are American, are ringing the alarm at injustice, discrimination, and questionable morals. And I wanted to get a sense for how the women in the business in Paris are feeling about it all. Today, I'm joined by chef Lena Cachetto, who you might remember from season one, and Sabrina Golden, the co-owner of Carbone and recently opened and very delicious cantina. <laughs> Welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you. Lena, you'll realize, I, I hope, that the sound quality has drastically improved since uh, <laughs> your, your first visit. No clanging and coffee making going on in the background? No, no. no yes. That's all been removed. Yeah. Uh, welcome, Sabrina, as well. Thank you. This You're is very f- fancy. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something that all three of us talked about just last week, actually, mm-hmm. at a coffee shop randomly. Um, and it's something that I've thought a lot about. And as someone who writes about these things, you know, I, I often feel like maybe I'm overly critical because I'm looking at it from the outside. You know, we see these the prevalence of awards and lists and rankings. And I know how people in the food world also sometimes feel like there's a lot of nepotism. The French would call that, you know, copinage, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Food websites and newspapers certainly have lists and stories that might highlight certain chefs and emerging chefs. But, you know, the there are there's been friction between or, or since, I don't know, I'd say only within the last few years with lists like that the fooding puts out, the guides, uh, the fooding has merged with Michelin, what that entails, and Michelin's sort of firm grip that it's, you know, trying to maintain on on being sort of the the voice on what's worthy in food. And I just feel like that's no longer possible for them to maintain that, you know, that position. And so I wanted to talk to you guys about it and, you know, thinking about my own meals at some Michelin-starred restaurants where I've been sorely disappointed. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I wonder, it's like, you know, are, are these the most appropriate gauges of you know, what I want to be eating, what other people might want to be eating. And, you know, is that even the experience I'm looking for when I'm mm-hmm. traveling? So mm-hmm. what, what about you guys? I think, well, I was in Singapore, uh, not last year, but the year before, doing a pop-up there for a month. And, you know, they have uh, the Michelin Guide and, uh, and, and, and across Asia. And their barometer for how they judge, you know, which restaurants can be included and whatnot, it's very different to how restaurants are seen here in France versus, you know, all the countries have a sort of a different way of adjudicating what is a one star mm-hmm. and what is not a one star. And I think that, you know, there's room, there was, there's room for more sort of interesting, not so classic places to find a place on the list and uh, in France and... I hope that maybe through the fooding and, and the Michelin Guide becoming, you know, associated, that that could start to happen. I think we did see a little bit of that this year, um, with a little some places that are maybe a little bit more casual, sort of popping into the list. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still not quite like what it could be. 
Right. And I mean, yeah. you've got, you know, for listeners who may not realize some of those more casual places, I mean, the Chateaubriand got their mm-hmm. first star a couple yeah. of years ago, Septime, now Racine, mm-hmm. uh, Tommy and yeah. Co. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. But of course, the, the per, there's this other voice in my head that's like, but now it changes the experience in a way. Like, I, I'm so happy yeah. for, for those chefs, if that's what they wanted, if that's what they needed. Yeah. you know, from a business perspective, but like, maybe you can speak to that. Like, is, does that change everything at a one, at a one star? I don't feel like I'm a restaurant owner. So I got called by some very important guides to be featured in their guides if I was willing to pay. And at that moment, I was like, I feel horrible because uh, if I do pay, if I do decide to pay, these people do not know that these guides are not what they're selling. They're not right. like legim- legitimate. They're not authentic. It's mm-hmm. not that they're the best restaurants. It's that they're the restaurants that actually paid to mm-hmm. be in those guides. Mm-hmm. So it's it's. I think it's very delicate. I think guides are losing the value and all of the these like big uh, Instagram accounts that actually people uh, that are real people doing real experiences, I hope, well, in most cases, not being paid uh, to do so. There are so many, so many that are also paid or sponsored. But if not, people actually go more to those kind of uh, guides or accounts to look for recommendations. So it's right. everything is, is, is like shifting and turning. It's like, w- what, is, what, is the, what is the guide in the end? What are these stars? And there is this like big trend. I think it was like maybe if we compare it to Broadway and Off-Broadway, there is an hmm. Off-Michelin guide uh, scene too that's is a, such an interesting mm, analogy i think that's smart i don't know it's uh and it, there's a pride too because there's so many like you said so many people are giving up the stars or they're just like i don't want to i don't know there's like not only young chefs but michel brass gave up his stars mm. well there's a pressure associated with it now maybe at the one star level you know it gives you that needed boost and mm-hmm. you know a certain credibility mm-hmm. and that maybe it means you're going to be booked all the time like and you know maybe there's less doubt mm-hmm. in that in that respect but um you know it does it does take you then in a different direction um so i don't know you're right i think maybe france is particular because it's been so formatted in one way and we need yeah, to see I mean, more this is where it's from so there's so much history that, that makes up the reasoning for why things are the way that they are. And so we totally, like in some ways I totally get it. If then you start allowing like whatever, you know, people be like, well, whatever into the Michelin guide, you know, then what is the prestige? What is, what does that mean? Like, is it actually prestigious? I don't know. It, it certainly will always drive traffic mm-hmm. no matter uh, who ends up into the guide. But, um, yeah, I, I myself even feel conflicted. I don't necessarily feel like I'll ever aspire to having a star. It's not really my mission mm-hmm. um, in my as a, as, a, <laughs> as a chef and in my, chef, yeah. my personal cooking career. I think like I, uh, I just want to feed people delicious things and um, and the, that they can have a good experience. But I'm not like I've never aspired to cook at that sort of in that way. It's just not my. I don't know. But, but then it's also like, how do you compare the food that you're getting at one of these more casual places at a one star and then something like stayed and stuffy at something more traditional? Like, how do you compare those and, and their value mm-hmm. within the same one star category? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think it can be confused. Like, it's not, it may not be confusing for us because we're here and we, we understand like 
the history behind this and like where it's coming from. But from someone who's picking up a guide, yeah, like do they have that working knowledge? Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I just to think about what Sabrina was saying before about like on Michelin, off Michelin, <laughs> uh, and also speaking a little bit to how things have changed how now it's there are bloggers and there are there are people with instagram accounts and then there's also just sort of like a populist kind of like the yelp kind of and trip advisor and all of those <laughs> kinds of things that we can look towards uh to get ideas about where where we should go when we go to a city and personally like i'm definitely not looking at the michelin guide when i'm traveling i'm looking on google i'm looking at the star ratings on google google things that people have to say about it the photos of the food that are being posted really um, okay. i'm out to asking like other people who live in the area like where i should be going to eat and they're making their suggestions mm-hmm. um but I also think that there's room within that for it's very subjective because it's one person's opinion. Right. And uh, secondly, there's also room for people to just not actually say that what their experience was. And I think like you have a very honest like way you, you put things up that you like and you share them in that way. But I know there are people like they're doing it for money. They're doing it for they right. are part of what they blog and what they show on their account is something like work that they're being paid for and their actual experience of eating there is not you know but they have to say so it was amazing and oh what a wonderful meal and all these things but Mm -hmm. you know they're just there to do their work to take some photos and to put it onto their account and if I say well was it was that actually good you know and the answer is generally no not really (gasps) and that sucks well it does the whole business a disservice it does consumers a disservice absolutely which, but at the same time, it goes back to like, okay, but someone could say, I just spent, I don't know, 150 euros going to some Michelin experience, you know, meal. More than that. Because what is that? The Tour d'Argent? Is that oh, that okay. Yeah. It's like but, 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 <laughs> hundreds I, and hundreds of euros. Well, it depends what places star. Like that. Kind of, yeah, yeah, but. Star rating. Yeah, but I mean, but, you I've know, seen and you, and the you're photos like, of those kinds of meals and I've talked to people that have had those kinds of meals and like, it's, you know, it's not a very good meal. Well, like, or sometimes oh, you're just I feel horrible saying that, but maybe the service is really interesting or maybe there's other parts of it that still like whatever make up for it. But certainly the food that you're going to find at Subteam is going to like be way more mind blowing than ever. Well, that's than, the than thing. An experience there's, that there's... you would ever have in a place like. You know, it's sorry. different. I, no, why, don't apologize. That's it's my Canadian side coming up. <laughs> I just got to apologize for everything. For everything. <laughs> well, I think there's something to be said for a service that, you know, will get you a one star, but like you're not going above, Mm -hmm. you know, and beyond to get three. But I mean, it's like. No, but isn't one star like that you have the full, like you have that, the food. You have the food and you have service, you have service, but it doesn't mean. And then the second star. I don't actually have the breakdown. (laughs) Yeah. And the third star is that you would travel a great distance to get there. Right. Their whole thing is, is about like. It's about uh, being, having tires and being able to drive. (laughs) (laughs) You're right. Historically, it's about you're willing to go the distance for for that. But I think that that's what's interesting. We're talking about like these kind of like rules and so many like points you have to have. And for me, those kind of guides represent a world, a a gastronomy world that is like it's a bit old school yeah, it and, doesn't it's, exist and it's like a, yeah. a very hyper male and uh, driven by straight white men in a way th- those are kind of the, the the how i see all of these guys they're a mm-hmm. bit like retrograde and like a bit mm-hmm. old school and i think that that's why it's interesting maybe true some some accounts some well i also think that TripAdvisor and yelp had it's 
moment <laughs> and now it's a bit like yeah. TripAdvisor is still going strong, sadly. Yeah. Sadly, in the sense that people will still do what Lena was saying, which is they'll go and, you know, it's, there are trolls. Like, there are trolls everywhere, horrible, you know? Yeah. And you can't... People mm-hmm. will make their decisions based on that, but, you know, and businesses need it. Mm-hmm. So mm. they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yelp is no longer even in France. So okay, really? Right. Yeah. They shut down. Whoa. Yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Glad I could teach you something that while you're, mind you're in the studio. <laughs> Thanks, um, no, but to your point, uh, you're absolutely right. This this old school, and, and actually Dominique Crenn, who's mm-hmm. you know the badass in San Francisco, she's yeah. amazing. And she won, didn't she? I think she won her third star just this year. Yes, yeah. she did. But the whole her whole discourse has been, you know, when people are talking to her about you know being a woman, being a chef, being overlooked by Michelin, this and that, and her whole point is like, no matter what. I will always be a woman mm-hmm. and then a chef. Yeah, woman first, chef second. Right. Yeah. And so that will still even like that yeah. will still be frustrating for her even now that she's gotten this big accolade. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't I don't know. I just think Well, like, she also she she received that San Pel- that super condescending misogynist. Oh, San that's where it started. Award. Yeah, that's where it started. <laughs> Which uh, was what, like, be- best female, female, female chef. Yeah, best female, female chef. chef. Yeah, which and is... like, at the time, what was her restaurant even on the list? You know, like, are, isn't the current holder, her restaurant's not even on the list? Uh, or something, it's best, something yeah. ridiculous like that. Give me a freaking break. And that was almost an F-bomb. <laughs> I mean, I think you're probably allowed, but... Uh, but, the, but <laughs> I guess we are on a podcast. But, but this is also like... Um, you know, I did this thing. I did this story for Food and Wine about Fanny Ray, who was okay. also won this Best Female Chef prize by yeah. Michelin, which mm-hmm. is different from their stars. And her whole thing was like, "Look, I wish we could just stop talking about all of this mm-hmm. and focus on the work and the people we're feeding." Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, that was just her way of being like, "Look, this is important to me, and I know it's important for my my mm-hmm. restaurant." Mm-hmm. But Michelin like could not fathom that this was even an issue. And when I was at there, the dinner where she was recognized. Mm-hmm. There were men at the table. I forget. I mean, I think they were in champagne and other industries. Mm-hmm. They like couldn't get why I was asking them. Like, do you think it's necessary for there to be a separate award for woman chef? Like, why can't she be considered with everybody else? And they're like, well, really? Like, I, I think it's okay. You know, uh, it's about uh, putting people in the spotlight. And I'm glad I'm that like, you're asking those questions. Thank you. For, you have, because thank it, you though. Well, thank you for taking so, a step forward and for doing that because we won't until you know more people are asking these questions and more of those kinds of conversations are happening. There's never going to be any kind of like consideration for it because clearly there wasn't and there you know there's not for a lot of things that are now deemed offensive. And uh, well, this is where I will say I think the American food world, uh, at least food journalists, are a little bit more aggressive in their. Um, yeah in their critique mm-hmm. or their analysis of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Helen Rossner, goddess mm-hmm. that she is, I mean, she'll, she calls out all of these things. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a Helen Rossner in the French mm-hmm. food media. I think Mar- Maria Cannibal, she does okay. a pretty decent job of calling things out. She'll post always, she'll be like, where are the women? And she tags like the event and she puts mm. the pictures and things like that. She's been pretty occupied with like her last forum, the Paraberry Forum, which is uh, oh, yes. Women okay. in Food she, Conference. Okay, she's involved in that. Um, okay. She's the founder. She's like a powerhouse. Um, she does speak to those things, but uh, I agree. I think there could be more. 
but it needs to be more. Yeah, there has to yeah. be. There has to be. Yeah. And so speaking of this, this leads me into festivals, which is mm-hmm. another place where women are often underrepresented. And yeah. I'm just wondering, I mean, I'm sure you've been asked to participate and you've been asked to cook in certain festivals or, you know, and you know the logistics of that. Yeah. So Taste of Paris is coming back in May and there are no, no women, women. <laughs> no women headliners. And it's like... Come on. I know. I know. Okay. So <laughs> like, I asked the year that we just like the last year and everything that has happened. It's like, come on. I mean, it's very weird because last year, like we were saying before, they really revendiqué the fact that they had eight women in their lineup. And then this year, that was 2018. And now 2019, there's like no women. And we don't talk about that. Let's talk about that. Why yeah. aren't there women? At least Taste of Paris, talk about it. Say. Well, I asked the questions. <laughs> I <laughs> the did. Answers were. Well, the answers are, you know, it is so, exp- well, you can imagine how expensive it is to have a stand in Grand Palais for yeah. four days, how much staff it requires. And then, like, if you have a restaurant that you're also trying to keep open while you're running at Taste of Paris, it's like, yeah. who can, like, make that work, right? So there are only a certain number of people that like have enough backing to make that work. So last year you had Stephanie Leclerc, you had Claire Hetzler, who was still part of La Durée. Mm-hmm. You had mm-hmm. um, you had uh, Anne-Sophie Peek who did it. This year Anne-Sophie Peek is, is like doing something else. She's busy mm-hmm. with something else. Stephanie Leclerc is no longer part of the Prince de Guerre. So she has no entity. Claire Hetzler and Nina Metayer, both pastry chefs, both now consultants. So they're not actually with an entity that can support this. So like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden now you have these people who can't afford to do this on their own. And so then the question is like, well, is there a scholarship or something that you can set up? Yeah, or just look on Estherelle's list and look at the 50 women chefs that are working right now in Paris that they could have asked to do that event and done. Mic drop. Well, so apparently Adeline <laughs> Grattard continues yeah. to say no year after year. Well, fair enough. Right? So I, I think in some way, I mean, it's not just women who are saying no. There are men who say no because it's like a very big undertaking. But they should be more forthcoming about this. And it's also yeah. like maybe don't have it at the Grand Palais that costs like a bajillion dollars. <laughs> I don't know. Like maybe there's something else that needs to change to make it easy for more people to say yes. Like, mm-hmm. but it's not a priority. They should also put together like, if if chefs, uh, either female or male, they have a hard time finding the money or the the way the means to actually be there. They should be putting together uh, sponsors with together with matching sponsors with chefs or with entities or with restaurants. To make this happen. Yeah, for a giant event like that, it shouldn't be all, the onus shouldn't be on the individual chefs to have to pay for everything to get themselves there. That's like, it's a giant event. For me, it it is still weird that last year there were many more women than before. And this year there are zero women in the lineup. It's like, what is this? Why? Why? Why is Why? Why? Just, Uh, I know. I mean, I gave you some of the answers I was I was given. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's also just a little bit more. Like, there is so much more opportunity to include, like, totally pool well. of yeah, just a diverse collection of of people. It, it there's no reason why the Taste of Paris or any other any event for that matter um, needs to only feature one sort of type of individual. Mm-hmm. I think that there's so much diversity in food. There's so much diversity in the city. There's so much opportunity 
to be more inclusive. And so why not take advantage of that? Because at the end of the day, there's people like us that are sitting back and looking at this critically and being like, why isn't it? Why aren't Mm. they doing that? It seems so easy to be more and to find ways to be more inclusive. Uh, But you know, it, for me, for as like to run a business, to run, to run a, to run an event of mm-hmm. that scale, and to not take advantage, you know, advantage know, of that. I know it. It's silly. It's a missed opportunity, and um, yeah, it's really, really, really saddening and, and uh, unfortunate. So, what are there events, food events, whether they're festivals or you know, food conferences slash you know whatever whatever format they are that are sort of doing it right? Mm. Well, I think mad. Uh, yeah, last the one year. Also, I was thinking about Paris. And very, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, I was like in France. In France, sure. <laughs> but Matt, well, Matt, the whole point last yeah, year was exactly. about uh, harassment in kitchens yeah. and in restaurants, both yeah. by chefs and by restaurant owners, by yeah. restaurateurs, because they yeah, it's and they led like they led a conversation about that, and I think that that's you know that's. Uh, progression that's that is progressiveness like in the in the conversation and that's bringing like new opinions and 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 on like a big scale too because Mm -hmm. they have a very large reach really are talking about like the things that are important does it surprise you that that uh um renee redzepi anything he's involved in would wouldn't be as progressive as that i mean i'm (laughs) i'm not surprised but well i mean like scandinavia in general is fairly progressive he's changing because he had a very bad reputation Oh, in the beginning, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was, I know. Yeah. And now he's changing, and I think that that's okay. And I think that also what Mad might have done too is starting, start speaking and talking about all of this, and it makes you a bit of uncomfortable. And I think that that feeling mm-hmm. is good. We mm-hmm. have to start making people uncomfortable by, mm-hmm. like, you do asking questions like, why, why, why female chefs are not chefs? Point, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Omnivore, that we just concluded mm-hmm. another year of Omnivore, which is a sort of, you know, festival slash conference series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you, Lena, said when we ran into each other last week that you found it to have better parody. Yeah, the, it seemed like in all the communication that there was a lot more women that were involved, which is great. Mm-hmm. Happy to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great job, guys. <laughs> Keep <laughs> so, it up. So what do you both want? Is like in an ideal world in Paris, what would what would happen? For, for you both being on the food restaurateur and mm-hmm. chef side, what needs to, what is like the biggest pain point that needs solving? I just feel that we need to be able to get stuff out more. I need, I think people and women also have to start speaking up a bit. And just like, like we talked before, there are lots of women that go to cooking schools and pastry chefs and, and they just, we don't see them in the actual scene, in the actual business. So where do they go? Where do mm-hmm. they go? And I think that we should take uh, responsibility of that. I mean, I know it's a very, like I said before, uh, white, straight, man, man-driven man business, but we need to start changing things by speaking, by speaking up, by by... And by pushing the boundaries. And by saying it. yes. You know, if somebody's putting an opportunity in front of you, if it's to be on France Inter, to go, to go on the radio, to, to cook food and to do things like that, just say yes. Say yes, say yes, say yes. Do every interview that you can. Do ev- like put yourself into all of these situations, even if you don't feel remotely comfortable. And if you need to have some kind of coaching or things like that, it's possible to find it. And, but you just have to say yes. And you think that will start to get people, other other women in the industry, ready to maybe take that that uncomfortable step to say, mm-hmm. no, I'm willing to put forth the energy to 
Yeah, and hopefully know, carve out a career. Hopefully, but you know, more and more we'll hear more and more just women's voices in general on the news media. I think it's really important. But first of all, every people need to start saying yes. Wow. Yes. I'd say yes. Very powerful. Oh, yes. <laughs> so just before we end, I wanted to add, because I didn't mention this in the beginning, you created the menu at Cantina, yeah. which is so good. <laughs> Glad that you liked it. Yeah. That burger. <laughs> Obviously not just the burger. That sounds so, people are going to be like, oh, No, but it's so funny because even at the beginning I was like, oh, burgers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we can do it. And now I'm like, oh my God. Like I just, I love this. I love everything about this project and I love working with Sabrina and I love like being in that space and I love the food that we're making and I just, I'm so happy to be able, for us to be able to share it with everybody right now. She and, said yes to burgers. So that was the <laughs> thing for was me. That, was that you that was pushing it? <laughs> yeah, because we had Cantina's first inspiration was uh, with our food stand called Asado Club, which we completely changed uh, into Cantina. But yeah, I was like, burgers, burgers. And she ended up saying yes. So. To one. It's not like it's full no, of it's burgers. One. No, no, it's yeah, one. There's lots of other things on the menu. Yes. Yeah. Lots of vegetarian things, too. I yeah. ate a lot of it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. I can confirm. There's a lot of other things on the menu. And uh, and this is near the Canal Saint-Martin. Yeah. On Rue Marie-Louise. And so what's next? Like, what do you have coming up? Oh, man. <laughs> you should see, like, our text messages right now. We have about four different group text messages talking about like four different projects or different things okay so i don't know we've like we're it's in the making i don't know it's in the making but we have many projects coming up it's always exciting yeah well serena is like and her partner stefan they're like uh yeah they're entrepreneurial so so am i yeah uh, so is Zina. all right so we're we're gonna be seeing more of you two yes very soon in the meantime Everybody go eat at Cantina. And then in uh, June, hopefully, yeah. Carbon will be back open. Exactly. Everyone go to eat there. Thank you both for being here. This was super enlightening. Uh, we'll have to have you back to talk more as the issues evolve, which I'm sure they will. Yeah. And next time. <laughs> Thank you. We'll, Thank s- you. we'll see what happens. Thanks, Lindsay. Thank you. Catch all the previous episodes of The New Paris, now also on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and on World Radio Paris. A bientôt.